Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of What Happens Next presents What We're Watching. I'm your host, Griffin Sendek, and it's been a little bit, but we're back, and I'm very excited to be back. I am joined, as always, by Kaylin Mangle. Hello. I'm here, and I'm ready. And by my good friend, Josiah Martin. Hello, I'm here, and I'm ready. Welcome Yay. to the show. Welcome to the yeah, show. Now I know that's the that's the sign-on <laughs> phrase for the show. I'm yeah. here and ready. My body is ready. <laughs> My body is ready. Let's go. You know, this is a very special patriotic episode because, you know, we are some of the most patriotic people we know because it is the day after 4th of July. And we're a little bit late, but, you know, as an American and everything. Yeah. Uh, but today we will be discussing the theme of Americana and how it portrays itself in the films that we watch and works of American culture, American life, uh, the people, the geography, all of it. So we've got some interesting and excellent picks for you today. And I'm very excited to keep going. (laughs) I can hear that you're smiling through your words, which is very nice. Uh, That's real excitement. I I went very... Uh, not a super different route with it, but you know, I'm excited. This, I'm excited to see what all three of us bring to the table today, because like, there's so many things you can do with this topic. So mm. we topic. we like it. We like to keep it open and a little bit vague, and you know, maybe we we would be good to you know pr- all prepare and know and watch all the things that we're gonna talk about. But I think there's something fun about surprising each other. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well. Kaylin, you seem to have something very interesting you want to talk about, so I am very excited and eager to hear you. What have you been watching? Oh boy, oh boy. So, (laughs) I don't really celebrate 4th of July that much. I'm not the most patriotic person in the world, but I'll tell you one thing. I love a good hot dog. Oh. (laughs) I freaking love hot dogs. When I'm at a cookout... That's what I'm eating. It, if if I'm at like a fair, that's what I'm eating. And I think hot dogs are such a, a staple American food, even though not you originating are from, yeah, not originating from America. But I decided to watch a documentary called A Hot Dog Program. It was fantastic, especially as someone who didn't know what to watch for this topic for a while. I had a great time. Now, what makes this basically hot dog programs is literally just a local Pittsburgh uh, producer, television guy, Rick Seaback, if you know oh. him. Oh, yep. wow. he's my oh, hero. Yeah. He is he amazing. He's my hero. Uh, same dude who made Kennywood Memories, uh, Sandwiches That You Will Like, an ice cream show. I've never seen any of them, but I know that Kennywood Memories is very, very special to the Pittsburgh area and a lot a of people. Masterpiece. Right? It's a masterpiece. Right? See, I, I got firsthand. People know. Um, so, literally, it's just Rick Seaback like going over a bunch of different hot dog stands nationally and like 
why they're cool. Um, it was a great time. It was such a wacky piece of documentary filmmaking. And as somebody who loves documentary, I was here for it. You know, we went through places in Chicago, New York. Uh, we did go over the original hot dog shop in Pittsburgh, which of course is cool. Um, we did go over the Nathan's hot dog contest, which I'm pretty sure that happened yesterday too. Yes, uh, and did. I did, did not know who the winner is, but Mr. Chestnut, happened. I believe, took the throne uh, yet again. I see, I see. Yes. So, um, yeah, it was just super interesting to see all the different hot dog shops and all these people talking about how much they loved hot dogs. Some people were like, this is like the kind that I like the best. If it like the one with like sauerkraut or the one with chili on it. And like people would, like get very territorial about it. Um, my favorite hot dog stand out of all of them that Rick Seebeck went over was Law Dogs in LA, which is 100% for Griffin and Kate since they are now mm-hmm. in LA. And I'm pretty sure they're still open um because they sell hot dogs but also there's a guy who comes in and gives free legal advice to people who want it and i'm just like awesome is do you have to buy a hot dog to get the advice or is there like an exchange Uh, here are you just getting i think i think you can just show up but like i mean if you're going to a hot dog stand you're probably gonna get a hot dog anyways because it's like a dollar you know if i ever commit murder which i don't think i will but in off chance i think i found you're gonna go check it out (laughs) if i can if i can offer a bit of unsolicited legal advice of Uh my own don't get any legal advice at a hot dog shop are you sure though yeah the guy has his his, uh degrees and stuff he said you know that's good I That's don't good. remember his there name. There might be but... a little bit of mustard smeared on on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, he, on he your papers. Oh man, sorry, he man. Pulls his rolled up diploma out of his pocket, and it's greasy and covered in relish. And he's like, "Here, <laughs> see, this is totally above the board operation." Mm. It just sounds like great. I-, I love America in that sense that we're giving legal advice at hot dog stands. But it was just a really fun doc. It was like maybe an hour and a half, maybe a little bit more. It goes by so fast. Um, And yeah, hot dogs, man. So what's the main point of like, is he just going the history of the hot dogs or the history of, of the eating contest? Like what, what's, what's going on here? Like what, why are we, why are we care? Of course we care about hot dogs, but why are we caring about these hot dogs? We're just going over the different stands that are around. Uh, you know, he says in the beginning how hot dogs are, again, are such a staple thing in America. And I, I do think, well, I think this was produced in like 1990s. Um, it probably was around 4th of July or something of the sort or Flag Day or something. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's a, you eat it all the time. It's like the thing. When you think of America, what do you think of? Usually hot dogs and hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Um, and just showing off these places. I don't think um, compared to other documentaries, depending on what you're watching, there's like a set, like super crazy goal. It's just like, here are some places. Isn't this neat? Don't you want to go here? Yes. I want law advice from law dogs and want to walk into Coney Island's like hot dog stand, which is literally shaped like a giant hot dog. It's just cool. And knowing that this is going to go into history, like, um, and I had to, I had to search to get this thing. I had to like dig to find a recording. <laughs> Don't pirate videos, uh, by the way. Just some unsolicited advice well, that how, nobody asked for. How did you find um, this in the first place? I PBS I would like to not answer that. No, question. no, I'm not talking about like where you found it. What like 
black market site you went to like <laughs> how did you which i even... didn't do at all <laughs> how did you even like find out this existed to search it out oh you know what? i think i don't know what i was doing i was like watching tv or something yesterday i literally watched this yesterday uh and i was like i was like man i could really use a hot dog right now like uh jennifer coolidge like her line uh, from whatever movie that's from but I was like oh my god like I wonder if there's any hot dog documentaries out there so I just looked it up because I I had I genuinely did not know what to do for this <laughs> this podcast and I'm so pleasantly surprised at what I ended up with mm-hmm. no, so that's, that's it that's amazing and you know there, there's a lot to love about hot dogs but I think what something that I <laughs> Like more uh, compared to like the more traditional, like you got American hamburgers and stuff. I feel like hamburgers in many ways have kind of become like gentrified of of you can pay like $30 for a hamburger Mm -hmm. super easily. And it's like, you know, you're not going to buy a hot dog with gold leaf on it. No, you can't gentrify a hot dog. It's kind of hard to. Like you, I'm sure you can get really (laughs) fancy and there's, there's like uh, overpriced hot dogs, but there, there's kind of like the sort of consistency of taste and quality that isn't always the best but is always delicious yeah. right and right. That's, that's just what's amazing about it you really can't elevate the quality of a hot dog without nope. losing sight of what it is and what it represents mm-hmm. yeah. and uh that's why i love them that's why i'm a big fan of the hot dogs they're not good they're not i don't crave <gasps> them often all right. I I feel to like it's a very own, I it's guess, a situational. <laughs> like, it is a situational like thing. If baseball it's like, game, yeah. or if you're on yeah, the right game. the right kind of street, and there's the a right vendor, yeah. and there's a yeah. vendor. No, it's true. <laughs> the, this this year, as soon as the sunny hot weather like hit, I went and I bought a pack of hot dogs, and I made myself nice. hot dogs for lunch and dinner and then lunch and dinner the next day because my girlfriend's a vegetarian that was a that was a mistake on my part quantity wise but absolutely fantastic they're a context food you know that's that's they are i I like rick seaback's sort of meander around the country documentaries uh uh, as much as i love his pittsburgh-centric documentaries for that reason is he's going around and gathering that sort of gathering that cultural context from right. all these different people and places uh yeah. all centered around the same hot dog yeah just showing you like hey this is cool right yeah. and everyone's like yeah that is cool <laughs> that's what, just kind of his style what would you say is like kind of your biggest takeaway from this documentary and like or is there like some weird fact that you like learned that doesn't like <laughs> anything fun or like what what just what's your biggest takeaway from this I just appreciate hot dogs a lot more than I did. And I already appreciated hot dogs in general because I loved them as a child and I still like them, especially again with the hot weather, the situational, like at a baseball game, at the right place, right time, campfire. I'm here for it. Um, And how extensive it is across the States. I mean, I didn't mention this, but um, they even went over the Iditarod sled dog race in Alaska and some guy who who literally brings this little tiny hot dog stand out every year for this race and people go bananas like they are so stoked that he's out there um like like that's how far it extends it's it's nuts um and it's cool to see kind of how food brings people together Definitely even does. the really basic 
I hate to say it, but like shitty kind <laughs> all the time. So it was just a great time. Mm-hmm. That that's all. Uh, glad I could share this today. Really glad I could oh, share this. Glad, glad you could be here to to share it. And I'm sad sad to say, Kate is is not here to <laughs> chime in. No, she would if, love this. You know, who knows if maybe she hates hot dogs. It's, who can you tragic. imagine? So tragic. Well, but it's okay. You know, before we get hungry enough and have to, you have to scarf down your another <laughs> order of hot dogs. <laughs> I'm, another pack I'm the of best, eight. Uh-huh. Another pack of eight. Yep, just just slop them down raw. Just don't don't. Just, <laughs> hey, just slop them down raw. Still wet in there. I think we're done with the hot dogs for the rest of the night. Uh huh. that's the show's other catchphrase that's how we wrap up at the end josiah what did you watch recently i i went wild with the theme and i thought there's a lot of media i like that is uh, explicitly about america griffin will know that i'm a big fan of the movie all the president's men Mm -hmm. and i very nearly went with that and then i very nearly went with the movie that comes before it by the same director which is uh, the parallax view and they're both it is really incredible and they're both these sort of hyper cynical 70s um they you know they have a lot of patriotic imagery in them but they're conversely very uh, dark and paranoid in their tone uh, in a really fantastic way um and i eventually decided against both of those and i watched uh, the tv series leave it to beaver uh my thinking being leave it to beaver though it does not accurately represent America uh, in its uh, totality and uh, probably never did, it is kind of like the shorthand for that sort of ultra-sanitized white bread suburbia uh, of the 1950s that feels very American in big air quotes, feels very Norman Rockwell American. And I had the time of my life. I want to be very clear. I do not recommend this television show. Oh. It is not good. There's nothing in it for uh, a modern audience. <laughs> there was, I found this out doing research on the Wikipedia page. There was nothing in it for a contemporary audience oh. either. It never oh. cracked the top 30 in the Nielsen ratings, which is hard to do uh, in the days of only the big three networks. That's kind of a feat to have a show well, that that's unpopular. They were really only about four channels back then. So if, if you were lucky, that's true. if you were lucky, there were four. <laughs> yeah, um, so if it was on, people switched off. <laughs> yeah, people people got up and turned off their televisions <laughs> because the oh, show began. No, no it, it ran for, um, I, I get my facts straight. It ran for a year on CBS and then five years on ABC. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, yeah, MDB says it went from fifty-seven to sixty-three. Dang. Yeah, which is again a feat. Uh, Very uh, wild. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think that's a condemnation of what it is because there are other shows sort of contemporary to it that are very very similar in tone like dennis the menace is a television show around that time i believe and it's not better than this uh father knows best uh is there ozzy and harriet that runs for 14 years they're all listen they're all very very similar um but i was very excited to watch the show because it's like the typical one like if you had to name one of these types of shows i feel like leave it to beaver comes up um like comes to mind immediately Mm -hmm. 
anyway, uh, let me get into my actual conclusions. Right, I took a lot of notes because it's not good. Um, <laughs> the the first thing that jumps out at me, and for my money, the funniest thing in this show is the opening credits. And I laughed very hard because this ended up being in the first sentence of the Wikipedia page. It made me very happy. The opening credits uh, ends, you know, it has the classic sort of starring Barbara Billingsley and starring Hugh Beaumont. And it ends on, and Jerry Mathers as The Beaver. And it's the only time he's referred to as The, the Beaver in his oh. entire show. Like he's some sort of uh, serial Super. criminal or, <laughs> you know, it's, and the beaver. <laughs> so is is the show uh, really about too much more? Or is it really just kind of the family and, and sitcom shenanigans, like kind of generic filling in the gaps as, as most of these like sitcoms of the day? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. It is only about the dynamic of, it's not even about the dynamic of this family. It's about the day-to-day tasks of this family. And Beaver is the most, I suppose, how he got his way into the title. He's the most interesting character because he's a child and he doesn't understand things. And so most of the comedy lies in his skewed childlike view of the world, which, again, is not that particularly interesting, but it is, he's the funny one. Uh, uh, for for lack of a better contender for that title. Um, but I did want to call out uh, the dad, Ward, Ward Cleaver, because their last name is Cleaver. Mm. Um, he is played by an actor named Hugh Beaumont, and he stuck out to me as, like, the one actor who's, like, crushing it. Like, uh, they're, all, they're all pretty solid, and um, especially the mother has a very memorable bit part in Airplane. She's the uh, in the jive-talking scene oh. at her, which is oh. very nice. I was like, I know her voice, and, and yeah, sure enough. But um, the actor playing the dad, he... I can't find quite the words to describe it, but you watch it, and he seems like the only one who is aware that this whole thing around him is kind of phony. Like, the kids are not terrific actors. The actress who plays the mother is but she's playing it very straight like this is the situation i am in uh but the actor playing the dad you feel like at any moment he's going to turn to camera and be like are you you seeing this too like are we are we both seeing what's happening around me but that's what this show is i just wanted to quickly talk about the episodes i dived into i i dove in in the third season because i figured this is not a show I need to watch beginning to end. I, I just want to get. I was wondering how much of this it? did you watch? Yeah, I I watched I watched all in all three episodes of Leo oh, okay. Beaver, which is. I was gonna say like you you opened it up with like so we watched the show and it was terrible. It's not funny. It's the worst of these sitcoms. I, I don't like, feel that. Way. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Yeah, but uh, what I'm saying is like you were extraneous. Is like did you watch? Did you suffer through the whole thing? I did not <laughs> suffer through the whole thing. It's. It. I watched, uh, so the first episode of season three, I was like, oh, I have struck gold immediately because the plot of that one, Wally is the older brother. He's one of the two children in the Cleaver family. Um, Wally gets put in charge of the blind date committee for the dance. Um, so he has to set up people who don't have dates uh, with other people that don't have dates. Yeah. And the main conflict of this episode is, of course, uh, he's stuck with uh, an ugly girl that he can't mm. pawn off on every on anybody. And um, I, I was aghast at the, not that aghast, I expected about that caliber of bullshit, but I was 
disappointed with the premise and I was like, but I know how this will resolve, you know, he'll meet her for the dance and she'll be stunning and he'll be like, I can't believe I was so foolish because he ends up having to take her to the dance because nobody else will agree to it. That does not happen. Really? They, they, they meet the girl. Beaver uh, goes to her house and like meets her face to face to report back to Wally. And his report is just kind of like, I don't know, she's fine. Like, she's not really anything special one way or the other. And then, so I was like, that is not how I anticipated that going. And then as they're getting ready for the dance, uh, the dad, uh, Ward, pulls Wally aside. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get the speech where it's like, hey, quit talking about this girl this way because it's Mm -hmm. awful. And that speech does not come. What we instead get is uh, Ward saying, hey, I used to have to take ugly girls dances all the time. I would pay my buddies to dance with them. Your your attitude is going to ruin the situation. You know, (laughs) this happens. Don't worry about it. And uh, it's a real hoot and holler. They go to the dance together and they get uh, sodas afterwards and they have a really nice conversation sort of the buried good story within this one is um, that they actually connect and they actually have a good time together. And that could have been more front and center as opposed to right before the credits roll. Um, uh, But that's more or less how, how that one ends. And then the other two were wildly uneventful. And the second one um, Beaver uh, starts running a bath and lets it overflow and it knocks a hole in the kitchen ceiling below. And then they have to deal with whether to tell mom and dad, there's also an extended conversation in there about whether Wally, who I believe is 15, is old enough to be babysitting uh, Beaver, which he is at 15. You can watch children. That's a silly thing to argue about. Oh, sorry. Have to derail one more time. This show is famed for being one of the first to show at least a portion of a toilet on television. Oh, because that was racy. Yes, that was taboo at the time. In the episode oh. I watched, which takes place in the bathroom, the toilet is not seen, but there's an episode famously where I believe Beaver brings turtles home. I could be getting that wrong. And him and his best friend hide them in the tank of the toilet. And quite famously, it's a tank with no toilet attached for the, for the sake of the, you know, gentle sensibilities of the audience at home. They just have wow. a tank uh, in the middle of their bathroom. So I think it's so funny being able to like track the history of like what is racy and what is controversial right. and like what mm-hmm. and then when when you realize these like little strange things that were taboo at the time and you like I'm sure you you look through all these sitcoms of this era you're like why did they cover that up why why is right. this thing so strange or did like they find ways to get around the silliest little things and I, I think it's it's you know a little microcosm of of the culture at the time yeah and it's not only that but what's not taboo uh is yeah. kind of interesting because there are there's a passing reference at the end of the second episode of season three uh to the the dad sort of mentions how his dad would have beat him for that sort of thing or did beat him for that sort of thing yeah. and then in the third episode um there's a passing line about, you know, the, this other kid at school. It's like, oh, Chucky's dad always beats him. Chucky's dad's always wailing on him. And it's like, that, no, man. Like, you right. could, these days, I would wager you could probably show the toilet and probably not beat the kids. That's, right. that's how I would approach modern television. But, <laughs> um, but no, it is, it is a very interesting sort of, Again, even hyper sanitized for the time, you don't want to watch it and fall into the trap of thinking, ah, this is what the suburbs were like, you know, it is, it's almost 
insidious in how conflict-free their lives are mm. uh, in retrospect. They, they're very comfortable. They have a brand new house. Mm. Um, they, they just got a school bus. The school is beautiful. Everything is so nice. Their clothes are great. Some amazing outfits and leave it to Beaver if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but again, they have no problems. And that might have been why it didn't do well at the time. Also want to give past audiences credit. Like there were more interesting shows on television than Leave It to Beaver. And I think it's abundantly clear that people were aware of that. Yeah. Like do they think just people wanted to see happy family living their life with their just minorest of teeny issues? Not even like... inconveniences. <laughs> like it's just, like earlier I said tasks and it is just tasks. Like it's 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 just them accomplishing some of their basic necessities. But um, I don't know. Again, there are other shows parallel to it at the time. And uh, I don't know if people sort of drew, because think, if you want to get contexty about it, you know, you have this post-war boom and you have these, you know, very white suburbs um, as a new thing that's popping up. And maybe there was a craving for some sort of depiction of this new lifestyle mm -hmm. um but i mean how much of a craving could there have been you know it's it's it takes up so much of what we associate with that time and associate with this era of television and um like, yeah this is just one of the more bland examples of it there's just not a lot going on how um how is it shot like that's I, that's a good question it is single camera and i don't know camera. why oh I it's it has the is it like a on a stage and do you know if like it was recorded like with a live audience or if it was um I can tell you from from the quality of the laughter I am saying no live audience and from the fact that I in my head I can recall all four walls of most of the rooms we were in I'm going to say it was it was shot very tightly single camera uh, on a soundstage, but I don't know why. Like this is not a show that would have suffered from being multi camera, uh, and single camera feels odd. It's also and I assume that was happening at the time. It's not like that was. Oh yeah, it was like not new technology or anything. <laughs> this this was not groundbreaking, but it is. You can see some of that transitional era bleeding through where it is. It is single camera, but they are so horridly blasted with light from all angles as if it is not, you know, like like they are. Again, it's a show that doesn't have to be single camera and it is and it, le it leads to your mind kind of watches it expecting the Twilight Zone and instead you just get more and more Leave it to Beaver. That's that's Leave It to Beaver, and I recognize that that's the most anybody's spoken about Leave It to Beaver for <laughs> in, in the past decade. In the past years. decade, at least, at least. Thank you. It's an honor. <laughs> Did you have anything to say, like, of like, does Leave It to Beaver have anything to say about like American culture at that time? And is it is, like, is there anything you really kind of gleamed from it, or it like signified about? The culture other than you know can't look at the toilet no i i i think again it was made for a specific audience at a specific time to reflect what they were experiencing in their lives i mean if you think uh, at that time they're making television for the advertisers more or less you know and this was probably made for an audience that was buying margarine and dish soap and buying things for their new little development houses across the midwest like i think it speaks to 
a section of the American population that, again, was mostly white, unfortunately, and had all this post-war money and all these post-war houses. These things were being made to be reflective of their new lifestyle uh, and to accommodate their desire to see themselves reflected. And again, the wills of the advertisers to reflect those sorts of people on television. Hey, they're still still trying to make us buy stuff, and we, we're still doing it's it. It's true. Well, there's a my my last thought because again, I could talk for hours about Leave It to Beaver, the three episode. We I've talked for the length of one episode of Leave It to Beaver, <laughs> which I think is heartbreaking. <laughs> but but um, there's a quote from uh, a, a writer. Matt Colville, I think he said it on Twitter originally, but uh, he said something to the effect of uh, Gen X uh, is playing in the wreckage of an airplane that their grandparents built and their parents flew into the ground. And I see Beaver as a child is one of the parents in that analogy. Mm. Like he will now grow up in this in this neighborhood where everything has been pre-prepared for him. And everything is perfect at all times. And it is the it is the first sign of the downfall of the 20th century is these people having a wonderful time. It's just it's just it's interesting as a very specific microcosm of a very specific type of American life. Mm -hmm. All right. Kayla, is there anything you want to add before we move on? No. All right. No, no, I no, do not. No. I'm going to be real with you. No. All right. I wish to open no more doors about this show. Thank you. Let's uh, let's close the beaver. Let's <laughs> just slop them down it, raw. Leave it, leave it. transitions, Griffin. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Anyway, so uh, what I watched this week, I was struggling to find something too, because um, yeah, we we leave this stuff so broad; it can be anything. And yeah, you look up. Uh, Americana films and and you get stuff like you should watch The Grapes of Wrath and it's mm. like I I guess yes technically you got, you got Turn of the Century you got Great Depression you got people struggling it was like I really want to find something more modern and new and to like see how like this modern lens is able to uh, display American culture um, and with that I found the 2022 film Vengeance written and directed by bj novak uh who many people know from the office as playing ryan oh yeah that guy uh, this was his directorial debut i believe oh. um and it, it was is a really interesting <laughs> film so the main gist of the story is this sort of snobby dickish writer in new york is given a a random phone call one day of this guy that's just crying on the phone like oh my god your your girlfriend she she died i'm so sorry we're having the funeral next week and she's like i don't know who this person is i like and it like is, is established in the beginning that him and john mayer of all people playing himself are going through their phones and are listing the names of girls that they have in their phones of just random like hot brunette Jim, <laughs> like just just a uh, Stacy Bumble, like <laughs> all, all oh, these, okay. yeah, yeah, like like uh, like awful, um, just no no real names, just like people. And so this is some girl he like slept with a few times, and suddenly he's like, "Your your girlfriend, she she died. You got, you got to come out to West Texas, middle of nowhere, for the funeral." 
Um, and so he, he like gets talked into doing it and he arrives and it's like literally a whole funeral and there's like a picture of him with her. The whole family thinks that like there's this was some serious relationship. He he realizes that there is a potential for a story here when the brother is like she she didn't just overdose, she was murdered. Uh, and then he like calls up his editor and is like, there there's this whole story about like conspiracy and and wanting revenge and like all, all these different like facets of culture out there. But what what it ends up being is like a just a really heartfelt look at sort of the like first the city culture versus the more like western and uh more country and like in urban life and how those people like live and the sort of like the the culture of, of family and all of that and there's like it's a pretty funny film there's a lot of like twists and turns and it gets pretty serious and and so it's about like him trying to make this podcast uh from his like editor and talking to all sorts of uh different people in the town and and some of it's like murder mystery some of it is just just the character of the town and you know he's not getting along with with all of it but is uh coming and it just in uh, in many times like keeps coming back to the sort of culture uh of between each one so i am like feel like i'm rambling no you're good um i'm just trying to listen yeah, you know and like that... pick everything you know because i've never seen either of these pieces mm -hmm. but like I, I think a, a big part of it is this sort of sense that like a lot of American people, we, we want to be famous. We want to be someone. We want to like have our name published everywhere and, you know, looking for next big breaks. And I, I think that's a big thing that you see in, you know, places like New York and Los Angeles and these sort of types. And then you, you kind of like view western middle of nowhere uh town of less than a, a few hundred people uh texas as like nothing as nowhere like people don't actually live there <laughs> like and i i think this this film was just able to like to show so much of that how does it personally because i assume well number one i assume um the the middle of nowhere area that he travels to a lot of her family and friends and the neighbors and people living there i assume they're like ranchers some kind of farm-esque mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't go too far like into their actual professions but it, it's funny like are the, they dressed like cowboys <laughs> yeah many of them do like they oh okay they go go out and uh you know at one point they interview um this guy that's like mexican and says he's part of the part part of the cartel and then he is like acting all tough and like putting on this like big accent and acting like oh yeah i kill people and then he you know makes him like on a one-on-one -on -one interview of of this and admits to like gives him like an out of alibi because he was at an adele concert and <laughs> like oh, okay. all these like soft things and saying like I, I gotta give you know the cartel the impression that i killed this girl or else you know they could come in and actually make me kill someone and uh, like it it and then it um aston kutcher shows up and gives some of the most prophetic and like philosophical 
and soft-spoken dialogue Sick. and monologues that I have ever heard in my life. Great. And, Thanks, Ashton. Uh, like him. And I, I think it has... It, it really touches on because he's making this podcast and he's interviewing these people and a big thing they say, like he's, he's talking to the editor and like, wow, this is so good. These are really good characters. Like these are really, these are like great. And you know, this is going to be huge. And I, I think that's something that it falls into of sometimes we view people as characters. And when we're like busy trying to write stories and like, uh, whether it's a, like journalistic stuff or mm. it's like documentaries or anything like you can really like respect your people in them and remember that they're people or you can fall into just them being one character and one project and then you you move on the rest of your career right uh, so then my other question for you is how does it make you personally feel about these like little like sub cultures in America, like lifestyle living specifically, because yeah, it's very different living in the Midwest versus big city in LA kind of deal. Like, mm-hmm. does it give you more appreciation for different people? Like, maybe yeah, I'm not I, on the right track here, but no, you're right because it's like an interesting topic to think about because I think there are definitely people that are city people through and through, and there are people that like will always be in in the country and will always be living in their hometown and it's not a lack of oh i never got out to the city i know it's like that this is just the life that some people live and it's not something that's inherently wrong and i i think you know it's a big wide world but we can be so insular on our and within our circle and like think of this is all life is and i i I think the same thing for the you know people more urban areas they like it can be easy to not understand what uh some of these other like big areas and amount like amount of people and diversity like Mm -hmm. what that really can offer you um and i i think there's a lot of like we're both (laughs) both people are just sort of stuck in their own ways of life there's not often as much like back and forth and and moving from the country to the city and like the the girl that was um found dead the like girl I hooked up with she lived in the country and, and moved out to the the city to be a singer she moved to New York to get her music career going on and he like meets the other two sisters and the one says, I'm going to be a famous filmmaker. Then another one played by like Dove Cameron is, is <laughs> like, I'm going to be famous. And like famous. famous. And just, just, I'll be a famous celebrity. <laughs> and, Great. and I, and I think that goes to like what, what I was saying about, you know, the people that want to be famous think everyone wants to be famous, but that's not for everyone. And I, I just feel like this, film was able to bring out a lot of these sorts of thoughts and it was just very very good watch like there's there's a lot i've already talked about that it like it's it covers just so much but um i highly recommend it what do you guys think of like the the phrase of this can only be made at this time or like uh movies that are very much like of their time because i feel like this 
one because of like all the modern elements that it needed with podcasts and um true crime and the like type of communication and stuff like it it needed to be like within this time to be made and uh i think you take the the premise and put it in the 2000s and it's more of a comedy about a guy showing up uh in the hometown of the girl girl that he hooked up with two times thinking the boyfriend and they like make it all like make make fun of all the hicks out there like it you put that in in 2004 like i feel like that's the kind of film you would make and like this has a lot more like respect so um i just want what, what do you guys think of like films that are like of of their time and like can only be made within certain areas i see a divide with pre-cell phone and post-cell phone movies yeah where you have to so many <laughs> so many plot conflicts could be resolved by a phone call. So you often have to take time to explain why that is not the case. Or if you're making like a cheap slasher film, you have to take the time to destroy your protagonist's cell phone. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. take the time to explain that they don't have signal or something's gone terribly wrong with their phone. You know, those that's one specific instance in which I see, okay, this is a movie that is written to take place in and to be shown to, a world where anybody can instantaneously communicate with each other. And so that is an avenue through which this problem could either get worse or better or pre that these people have no way of contacting each other to resolve this, you know, <laughs> the, the, the beyond that, though, I'm still like, con- not confused, but it's still jarring when I'm watching like a modern series that heavily or a modern uh, film that heavily requires the existence of something that feels very recent, like something like a podcast Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, how goofy. Yeah. TikTok or um, Instagram reels, like that kind of thing. When I, yeah. When I see pieces of media with stuff like that, it it is still jarring mm -hmm. and doesn't feel like just the cell phone. What do you guys think of floating text bubbles? That's the best solution. It. Yeah, it that's is. the best one I've seen because yeah. I hate fake interface. Like I and I've done fake interface so for 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 some projects. I know that it's not good because I've tried to make it good and you just mm-hmm. can't. Floating floating text bubbles is damn near the the best solution I think we have to that very I, unshowable thing. I don't know if I'd totally agree all the time cuz I I feel like stylistically it really depends on that film. Yeah. Like, you know, I just throw a, a movie out there. It's not like you can have a film on the caliber and seriousness of, of The Godfather and, like, throw in text bubbles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, you know, you're not going to see uh, Christopher Nolan make a film where they text each other and little text bubbles come up to, like, help show. <laughs> 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 like, and that's, that's where there, there's the trouble of, like, these these devices and these sort of things are such like increasingly part of our lives, but because they're so much ingrained and there's so much more intricate than just picking up a phone and talking. Cause like you can do that at any time at any like point from, you know, the first phone to, you know, 2008 or 2006, like all that time before it was super easy. And, and it was basically the same, just <laughs> device was right. a little bit different. Um, 
And I, I think that's, that's where, and going back to this film, I feel like it did a really good job because it was sincere with everything. It was sincere with, you know, showing the text and, and, you know, like not knowing a passcode to a phone and like trying a bunch of times and like, uh, and the way like it, it showed like interfaces that looked real. I think they were like legit. And like, and now we're reaching a point that like companies are letting, like Apple's letting people use their interfaces and, and Android and stuff. As they but should. there was definitely some growing pain area that like nothing could be used. And, you know, and then you got, doesn't feel right. You got weird stuff like, Weird ringtone. Did, did you and... check that on Insta Snaps? Yeah. Yes. And... And, and the weird, the only exception I give is um, iCarly's pair phone. phone. <laughs> that's all. Everything else, I can't think of another like close second that's like, yeah, I believe that. Because mm. I just, it's so hard to when it can't be as close to what it can be. Mm-hmm. But replicating I, I, Apple or Samsung or whatever. I, I do feel there is like a certain a part of American culture that is living on thousands of miles away from each other. That like, yes, people in Europe can live in different countries and they can be, you know, same distance away. But there's that, you know, they're, they're still at home, but they're, you, you don't see them. And like the, you, like these smaller you like you don't know the same people in your own country and that's why like our form of like communications are so important but i like you you see that pop up and i find it strange to think of being in a country where everyone is mostly the same and you like get the idea like everything is is uniform throughout it's uh all the stuff just is in the background of, of our everyday life that we don't like always think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're a couple different countries in a trench coat at the end of the day. <laughs> Pretty much, held together by glue. Yeah, held together right. by glue. We talked about a lot of really great shows today, Lily Gate movies, and how they are just proofed through our American culture and like little uh, bits that they share, and. I'm happy for you guys to be able to join me today, and I'm thank you to all of you that are listening. I know there's not too many of you, but we love all of you, and <laughs> it uh, means a lot to us that that we're we're just trying this out. You know, I'm I'm not a uh, born and bred podcaster, as you can tell. Uh, no, we're all professionals uh-huh. here, dog. <laughs> I don't know but what we're all, talking about. We're all born to podcast I've now. I've been doing it for like 15 we're, we're years. Born I'm to, 23. Born to slap podcast down. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but anyways, we're very happy that that you, you stuck around and listened to us ramble on. Um, and I hope that you stick around and, and read more that's on our site. You can follow us and read everything at whnblog.com we've got some new articles out every friday we've got something new coming to you this friday and uh keep following us here for listening more and hope you guys have an amazing day yay